It's Old Timey Crimey, Halloween Edition. All October, Christy and Scott will be trick-or-treating you to the spookiest in vintage crime. Each week in October, you'll shiver to the tales of the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, the Croglin Grange Vampire, Spring-Heeled Jack, and the Bell Witch. So gather round the campfire, boys and ghouls, and listen to a true spooky tale from Christy and Scott. <laughs> All of our standard spooks have weaknesses. Werewolves can be dispatched with silver. Zombie problems? <laughs> a well-placed bullet to the brain should do the trick. Dracula has so many weaknesses, it could be argued that vampirism is a debilitating condition that has a few upsides. But ghosts, bullets, silver, sunlight, garlic, and fire are all quite ineffective. Perhaps that's why the tale of the Bell Witch is so mystifying. In truth, the story of the Bell Witch is more of a ghost story than toil and trouble, boil and bubble. And how do you stop a ghost that wants you dead? You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. So, hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. I'm Christy. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I made a boo-boo last week. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fess up to it. I made a big boo-boo. Uh, the Spring-Heeled Jack episode. I kind of went, well, if it looks like a bear, it's probably a bear. Thinking, yeah, there are bears in England, right? Because, oh, I thought there were. Yeah. Arthur. The name Arthur is actually means bear. Oh. Like Arctus, right? It's, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, apparently, no. Bears went extinct in England around 1600. Oh, I guess so, the name Arthur must date from before that Absolutely. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, fuck. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Maybe it was a fucking... Really big cat? Really big cat with a malformed head? I can't think of what that would be. A, a donkey? Did they have donkeys? A Saint Bernard wearing a helmet. There I don't go. know. <laughs> it could... It was something. It was something. How are you doing this week, bud? I'm doing okay. I almost ate a spider this morning. Nice. <laughs> yes, That's I know. one of eight down for yes, the year. I know, to right? Most websites. I have always hated those uh, those statistics, but I'm, I almost proved to myself this morning that it might be true. Yeah, I was getting out of the shower in my towel and everything, and uh, I'm like in the middle of the bathroom. And just right directly, like probably like maybe three inches from my mouth, right at mouth level, is a teeny tiny spider. Itty bitty little thing. Just, mm -hmm. you know, barely even a thing. Not even an entire calorie. No, no. It would probably be like a maybe a, a one one hundredth of a calorie is how tiny this thing was. But, but it was enough to lay eggs. Really? Uh, was really close to my open mouth. And not only that, but the like the Kleenexes, the toilet paper, anything I could use to grab this thing, mm -hmm. they were on the other side. So I actually, in what would have been, if anybody was watching a recording, a hilarious bit of physical comedy, had to crawl underneath this spider, like duck underneath it to the other side to get, get a Kleenex to grab it. Because, yes, it's a tiny little spider, but it's right there. And I almost just ate it. And I don't want to take that risk. Now, the hilarious thing is anybody that's more than four feet away 
can't see the spider or the web. Yes. So it's just you having a schizophrenic <laughs> meltdown yes. at that point. Is Christy hallucinating? What's happening here? Yeah, looking at it from the outside, it would look really funny that it has stopped, shuddered, ducked, and then kind of like, I didn't even really crawl across the bathroom. I just kind of like got down on like my haunches and just kind of shuffled. Yeah, hilarious. It would have been great. How's your week going? It's It's been good. It's been good. I've been having a lot of dreams about my mother. Oh. And they've not been they've not been unpleasant um and i don't I'm, I'm a huge believer in the paranormal and they say you know this time of the year like the veil is thinner and i don't think it's actually anything to do with our trip around the sun i think it's more people are focusing in on it mm -hmm. so like kind of that collective consciousness thing kind of makes it more real and i don't know if it's I don't know if it's been, like, you know, my mother contacting me through dreams. I like to think it is. Mm -hmm. I like to think it is. And I just had some very, very pleasant dreams about my mom, and it was nice. My mom passed away of cancer back in 2014, and the last couple months were really rough. Because not only, honestly, like, I'm going to say I didn't get much help from my family, but honestly, like, if they just would have not helped, it would have been better than what they did. <laughs> Like, my sister, like, openly expressed her desire to put my mom in a nursing home. Mm. And my mom freaked out. And she was blind and she was fighting cancer mm. at the time. My mom didn't want to go to a nursing home. Um, my older brother would just come down and make trouble. My younger brother, now remember, this is a woman who's bedridden, fighting cancer, and is blind. My younger brother came down and screamed at my mom, blaming her for his breakup. Oh, my God. Right, it was my mom's fault. Yeah, that's really helpful. That's, uh, that's super helpful, making everything better. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so <sighs> honestly, if they wouldn't have done anything, it would have been better. But it was, it was kind of neat because it was a. Uh, I, I had this dream that I was like in the woods, and there was this pretty, pretty house that kind of had like a gazebo theme to it. It was like a gazebo with like all these little rooms off the side. And my mom was going, oh, this is my house, you know, and this this was meant for me. And, and my mom always loved gazebos. And it was just like, oh, man, it was it was something my mom would have liked. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really nice. And now I'm tearing up. Oh, We have to cry on the podcast every five episodes or so. Absolutely. We're due. Yeah, we <laughs> After my emotional breakdown on the O.C. Sneed episode. Goddess views. <laughs> <laughs> People liked it. Yeah. They like it. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. That's That's... You know, like I like yeah. I said, like I, I said, well, let me hear it, and I'll decide if I want to edit it out. And I listened to it, and I was like, didn't sound nearly as bad in uh, on the recording as, yeah. as it did in the moment. I was, I thought I was like, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. really, it was just like very just quiet weeping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, whenever it first happened, I thought, oh, it's just kind of a little bit of fun times. But no, then I saw, I saw the freak out, and I was like, okay, <laughs> let's calm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, speaking of freakouts, this family had some freakouts, uh, oh and I can't I can't blame them if any of this actually happened. And I'm gonna put a little more emphasis on that if any of this actually happens. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been a bad believer in the paranormal because this is the last of our Halloween episodes, and each one of these things I don't believe in. We have just broken them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's just like oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> so sorry to all of my friends who who think like. Oh, Scott loves the paranormal ghosts and UFOs. And so, and yes, I do believe in that stuff. It just so happens, not these four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just this weird thing. We're talking about the bell 
Witch. The Bell Witch. It's funny that she ended up with the name of the family, sort of. I mean, she did end, she did have an, another name, Kate. Yeah. But in in lore, you know, as, as as she's known, she's known as the Bell Witch. So almost like she was a member of their family in a weird way. Right. And, but you kind of see that. I, I think. I think today, like uh, if you go if you go up to Amityville. That ghost had a name. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that name is now. Also, another thing that I think is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But that ghost had a name, but it's known as the Amityville Horror. Yeah. If you go, there's a very famous haunting uh, from the people who studied the Entity case uh, called the San Pedro Haunting, which actually a lot of that got photographed. And that's one I do believe in. I do actually believe the San Pedro Haunting happened. But and that ghost was given a name. It identified itself. But we don't call it the Stephen Stephen the Sailor Ghost. We call it the San Pedro Haunting. There are very few ghosts out there that are famous that go by their own name. The only mm-hmm. one I can really think of off the top of my head is Robert the Haunted Doll, um, who is oh. the basis for Chucky. I know about that one. That yeah. that I I heard about that one in an episode of Lore, and I was like, ah, because my uh, my mother in law. She keeps on finding a Chucky doll in her attic that she she keeps on swearing that she threw her away, and then it just keeps on appearing in the attic, <laughs> just like really creepy. And she also had some kind of creepy dolls like set up in the they're not just old dolls, but she had them set up in the uh, dining room at Christmas last year. And I was like sending Snapchats. I was like, my mother in law has informed me that these are mine when she dies, and no, thank you. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. Burn them all. Look at their dead soulless eyes staring <laughs> oh, at me. Oh, they're so a creepy. Hole right through my soul. I got to sit through Christmas dinner staring at those things. It was fun. Don't <laughs> that. So this happened around 1817. It started and ended around 1821 on what was then the frontier of Tennessee. And the fun thing about this, it was Robertson County, Tennessee, which is a little bit north of Nashville. It was known as Red River at the time and later became known as Adams. It's pretty close to the Kentucky border. I have a friend who lives in Clarksville. I actually have a friend that lives near Clarksville as well. Oh, there you go. Hi, Chase. Hi, Casey. There we go. Maybe Chase and Casey know each other. They very well might. I've had my friends run into each other randomly in places. It's really weird. Uh, Chase, Chase, we make a joke. He's on on my other podcast. Uh, In fact, if you want to hear Chase... uh, Chase and I actually did an episode. We were going to do an episode about the Bell Witch. Oh. He was going to go to the cave. Oh. But for Halloween, they closed it down. Oh, no. That's the, the opposite dumbest, of what you should do. Dumbest <laughs> press ever. <laughs> Welcome to the Bell Witch Cave. Not here. Not now. <laughs> Not Jesus. on the spookiest day of the year. So we did it about a giant catfish that eats people instead. In oh, the there jungle. you go. There we go. That's a good, good topic. But yeah, we visited her twice. And I looked at the map. We came probably within, like, depending on what route we take, probably within 10 miles of the Bell Witch and didn't even, you know, the Bell Witch Cave and the Bell Witch House and didn't even really realize it. Well, the town that it takes place in is Adams, Tennessee. This place is almost creepily unremarkable. Yes, yes, it really is. The only thing it has going for it is the Bell Witch. It has, like, a population of 566. Oh, I got 633 at the last census. Oh, okay. But that was Wikipedia, so who the hell knows? Yeah. And there's 203 households. Nobody famous has ever come from there. Nobody famous has ever gone there. It's just the Bell Witch. That's it. That's all it's got going for it. Well, you got to have something to hang your hat on. Exactly. And if, it, if it's a weird racist witch, we'll get to it. Oh Trust me. Oh, my God. Uh, then you may, I guess, hang your hat on that. Yeah. It, it, settlements started there around the late 1700s. Uh, so 
It uh, it wasn't very old when John Bell moved his family there in 1804. He bought some land, uh, built a house on it, and eventually he owned 328 acres. Which was a fuck ton. That's a lot now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we have too much with 2.66, and I there's literally uh, there's two decimal places on there. So yeah, and it's he is. One of the most successful farmers in the area. Yeah, yeah, he's really successful. Does really well for himself. Um, Has are... just a ton of slaves. Oh yeah, a ton of slaves. Has uh, his wife Lucy? She's actually about twenty years younger than than him at the yeah, time. The... John. Yeah. <laughs> at the time the haunting started. You get that ass. He was sixty-seven, and his wife Lucy was forty-seven. They had already had a couple kids when they moved to Adams or Red River, as it was known at the time. Yeah, they they uh, they migrated there from the Carolinas yes. at the time, um, which is going to become important to me at least hmm. in the near future. In the near future here, so we'll talk about the Carolinas here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's they settled down in there around the winter of 1804, mm-hmm. 1805, and. Yeah, really made a hell of a go for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So their children that they already had, uh, Jesse, who was 27, John Jr. was 24, Drury. I can't imagine how many people stumbled over that name, because I almost just did. That's really hard to say. Two R's that close together with a W. Yeah. Ooh, that's rough. Drury was 21. This is all at the time of the haunting, that that their ages. Drury Um, sounds like a specialized underwear. Well, Drury is, uh, you know, the, the Muffin Man. He lives on Drury Lane. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, except, except spelled differently. Esther, who was 17, I believe once they moved in, I'm not sure where Zadok came in there because he was 14. So he went might have been right on the cusp because it was about 13 years after they moved in that the, the haunting started. That's going to come up. Write these down. There'll be a quiz later. Betsy, who was 11, Richard 6, and Joel 4. Now, those last three I know were born after they moved to the new homestead in uh, Red River slash Adams. So lots of kids. He was an elder or a deacon of the Red River Church, depending on which source you look at. Good Christian slave owner. Yeah, good Christian slave owner. (laughs) (laughs) And just, yeah, like you said, they made a go of it. They farmed, you know, and, and just really went to town. A couple of his sons would go on to become farmers and carry on the family business. So, yeah, he's 67 at the time that the haunting starts in 1817. It starts in an interesting way. A really, a, a way that you would think would kind of knock your socks off, that you wouldn't just kind of shrug and say, eh, but I guess what else could they mm-hmm. do? Yeah, he is out in the cornfield and he spots a weird animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. Weird to him. Weird to him. Weird to him. Not so weird, Okay. quite honestly. What is your possible explanation for this? So, being that he's from the Carolinas, we're getting to it a lot quicker than I thought we would, (laughs) quite honestly. He would not be familiar with an animal called a hare. Oh, okay, all right. So, basically, quite a large rabbit. Quite a large rabbit. And you have have hares in Tennessee. The migratory patterns of those hares, especially the snowshoe hare, goes down to Tennessee. Oh. Whenever I hear body of a dog, head of a rabbit, I instantly think hair. That's entirely possible, yeah. I hadn't really thought of that. Hmm, very good. So he shoots at it multiple times, and it just vanishes, which if it's a hair, it hopped. <laughs> and you're in a cornfield. If, if it's a hair, it burrowed. 
Oh, burrow. They burrow. Yes, they well, do. Wouldn't they also hop around? They do hop around, but if you take a shot at it and stun it... It's going autom- to instinctively go underground. It's going to go underground. Okay. It's not going to... If it's near its burrow already, it's, mm-hmm. they're not like a drilling tank. Where 20-foot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pillar of soil shooting into the air as if it was oil in a Texas field. No, no. If it's near its burrow and you shoot at it and you spook it, and these rifles that they have back then, they don't have riflings in them. They're not. They're not that effective. Or, you know, accurate or exactly. great. <laughs> N- not at all. Not at all. They'll leave a hole the size of a garbage can lid in a person. But, <laughs> but you have to actually get them to the person exactly, first. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's important to always scream, tally-ho, right before you <laughs> shoot one of these things. There are rules, Scott. A- there are exactly, rules. Exactly. Exactly. And then I run him through... With my rapier, and it's three points, so it's impossible to stitch, and he bleeds out. <laughs> oh. oh, lovely imagery. Rapiers. Do you think they had rapiers in the frontier in Tennessee? I think they had rapiests. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. Cosby. Uh, <laughs> so, they basically just kind of, I guess, shrug and, mm-hmm. and move on. And around dinner time that day, there's something beating on the log house from the outside, you know, banging on the door, banging on the walls. Mm-hmm. And I really think, think about when you're knocking on a hard door and it hurts your knuckles. Exactly like that. Like I'm yeah. in pain right now. Yeah, it hurts yeah. your knuckles. You're, the, the skin over your knuckles is thin. So like that knocking all around a log house, that's mm-hmm. a full, you know, that's part a of a tree house. there. And that's got to be painful. So I can't imagine what would make that noise. Maybe somebody like slamming a board up against it or, you know, a stick or something or a gun, you know, a rifle, the metal, the, mm-hmm. you know. The, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily, when I think knocking, I think of the, the house knocking. I don't necessarily think it was somebody actually like running around banging on it with their fists. Right, right. So they this happens again and again. It keeps on happening. And it escalates, too. It, every time it happens, it gets louder, and the, the knocks get more frequent. And every time they try to catch the culprit in the act, they run outside and run around the house. I can p- almost picture it with Benny Hill music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then, after this, the children start being targeted. Well, the children start seeing stuff, too. One of the children sees a body swinging from a tree. Ooh, I didn't find yeah, that in Mary's. They see a body Ooh. swinging from the tree. And then it's almost it, like they're watching The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then Drew actually sees this huge big bird perched outside on the fence post. Okay, so cranes and herons migration I'm thinking, patterns. I'm thinking Sandhill Crane. Okay, which yeah. is actually uh, actually part of Tennessee. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm thinking either that or Muppets. Because <laughs> if you've got a dog with a rabbit's head and a big bird. I'm thinking you might have a Muppet infestation. Now, Christy, this is nothing to laugh at. <laughs> My father was eaten by a Muppet. <laughs> Whenever you have a Muppet infestation, weird things happen. The family well got polluted by a dead Muppet. <laughs> okay. And, of course, the frogs drank from the well. Pretty soon, they're breeding with the pigs. Christy, I saw my father get eaten by, by a pig that could leap 37 feet. And <laughs> just snatch him up with her, like, her tongue and right back in. It was terrible, man. The frog-pig crossbreeding that goes on with Muppetry husbandry. I mean, we do have big birds. Was Snuffleupagus there anywhere? Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure someplace. <laughs> yeah, it seems like we've got everything but the kitchen it's, sink. It's like a bear and an elephant <laughs> mixed together. And it looked at me and said, moo. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the children, they say that there are rats gnawing at their bedposts, or a sound like rats gnawing at their bedposts. Blankets being pulled off the bed. This was the one of the ghost's favorite thing to do was snatch the, the the blankets off the bed. Pillows snatched right under from underneath their heads and thrown. These people they could not sleep. And then as soon as they turned the light on, it would stop. But then all the the noise and racket of this occurring would move to another room. So it's really you know like whatever is doing this is cognizant of the lights and everything is cognizant of when people are aware enough that it's like oh well I'll just move on I'm not sure if that's because it could be seen in the light or not because it would sometimes appear not appear but when when the voice starts coming it would come during the day because this seems to be an entity that grows stronger with time and interaction absolutely it learns to speak it's it goes from a couple of noises to starting to say words to full-on sentences. Yeah, eventually. And poor Elizabeth gets the brunt of the attacks. Elizabeth gets slaps, pinches. She, I mean, hard enough to leave bruises. She gets her hair pulled. She gets these sensations that she's stuck with pins. Yeah. And eventually, the ghost... And, and it would leave, like, physical marks, Absolutely. too. Like, yeah, her bruises. cheeks would be red. She would have bruises and welts and everything. It's pretty pretty sucky to be in that position. Elizabeth and uh, the the ghosts like to call her Betsy. Mm-hmm. So I, I call her Betsy pretty much throughout just because it kept on appearing that way. But in, in some places, she is, does appear as Elizabeth. So those are two uh, interchangeable, weirdly names. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a thing where this is not uncommon, believe it or not, in paranormal phenomena. Uh, there are several cases where people are left with scratches, mm-hmm. um, where there was one case where you could see like the handprint on the person's throat. Oh my. Um, once again, going back to the San Pedro haunting, uh, one of the, uh, one of the paranormal investigators went up in the attic and actually got a cord wrapped around his throat. And to help the person out, they actually stuck the camera up there because it's dark in the attic and they were flashing the lights. So you can actually see pictures of him hanging by his neck in Ooh, the attic. Oh, I don't like. Yeah. I don't like. That's very uncomfortable. So this, leaving physical marks, not really that uncommon. Mm-hmm. Not really that uncommon at all. And the family really, at first they try to keep this secret. They try to keep it, like, within the family. They don't want to tell anybody, maybe because you have stuff like this, and A, somebody could say you're faking it, B, somebody could say, well, you're possessed by a demon or somebody in your family. So they, they really do keep it a secret for a while. But and then I think that's horrible, too. You face prejudice from the church um, for having you know a ghost in your house. Today, you face ridicule from mm-hmm. your neighbors. I think this happens to a lot more people. Than, than people realize because a lot of a lot of things are kept secret from from we don't talk about this yeah but do this do this start talking about a ghost in front of somebody and go has anything like that ever happened to you and they're no 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 well there was this one time mm-hmm. everybody has this well there was this one time but situation. it's preceded by complete denial exactly. no 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 well <laughs> mine yeah. is I, my my particular instances are very slim pickings. There is not anything that you could really get much from. Mine is actually my friend, uh, the one I mentioned, who lives down near Clarksville. It's, mm-hmm. It was happened to her, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, it's her story to tell. So they finally, uh, finally, Bell tells his neighbor, uh, James, some places they, they argue the pronunciation of this. It's either Johnson, spelled Johnson, or Johnston with a silent T, uh, which is also Johnson. So I'm going to keep on calling him Johnson. 
And he and his wife, Jane, they come over and they, they have a little sleepover. It's slumber party time. Let's braid each other's hair and get attacked by a ghost. Mm-hmm. And they get some of the same treatment. Uh, the blankets are snatched away. Johnson, Johnson gets the smacking. And my question here is, as we do this two weeks in a row, what's with all the slapping? Why are all these supernatural entities always slapping everybody? I said, why never a kick to the groin or a good right hook? But we'll see some kicks later on. So I was preempting that that question there. That was kind of funny. (laughs) I I think the slapping, honestly, it's the thing that can grab the most attention. Yeah, Um, it does. It's noisy. Right. It makes makes an impression and it leaves a... a, a, not indelible mark, but it leaves a very visible mark of a handprint in many cases, which if somebody gets punched in the face, you might have a bruise there, but you could always say, okay, either, you know, like you punched yourself, I guess you could slap yourself. You could just say you ran into a doorknob mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you fell and you're calling it a ghost. I, I, I ran into a doorknob. <laughs> don't, don't hit me, daddy ghost. Don't hit me. Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm making fun of domestic abuse. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a thing, too. I've noticed this in my own investigations. I've done a few paranormal investigations myself. If you want to get the best results, bring somebody who doesn't believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You want that skepticism. You want somebody who's not going to believe it when it's happening. But it's like the ghosts where when you're there will try their best to make that person believe. Yeah, it is incredible. Some of the best results I've ever gotten were whenever I've taken diehard skeptics. It's like the, it's like ghosts are definitely susceptible to reverse psychology, where you say, well, you can't prove your existence, and they're like, well, you'll see. Oh, yeah. I've, I believe that ghosts... Ghosts are humans who suffer from full-body amputations. That's an interesting way of putting it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is the way I've always looked at it. There, you have people who've lost an arm. My uncle lost his finger, and he could still feel his finger. It was mm-hmm. still there to yeah. him. People phantom, had, phantom fan- pain, and phantom exactly. body parts. Yeah. So I think I honestly believe some ghosts are just people who have had full body amputations. Okay. Well, this uh, full body amputee victim uh, so harassed uh, James Johnson that he leapt out of bed and yelled, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? I'm Kate! (laughs) Not yet. Not 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 Kate yet! (laughs) And then, just for the night at least, the disturbances kind of quieted down. So now we see that it's sort of responding or, or, or acknowledging at least that it's been spoken to. But over time, this did start to... At first, it was just like whispers that you couldn't quite make out what it, what the voice was saying, which is... Fluffernutter. <laughs> Esophagus. Nutella. Butthole. <laughs> Surfers. <laughs> this has been ASMR with Christian Scott. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it the voice gets louder over time, and you can start to make out its speech, which is really, you know, it, it would have full-blown conversations with people. We need to build a wall between Mexico <laughs> and the United States. Oh. Actually, with some of the tirades, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be either. And it would sing hymns. It loved the Bible. Love, love the Bible. Uh, sing hymns, quoted scripture. 
uh, could actually, you know, like if, if you pulled out a piece of scripture, could name, you know, book and verse and all that, seemed to be very, very well versed. Uh, just like any good Christian demonic entity, mm -hmm. you know, like you got it. You got to know your Bible so that when people try to use it against you, you know, I banish thee in the name of the Lord. You can be like, no, that that's not the right wording. Like, no. look it up again, priest guy. Jesus, <laughs> it's right there where Jesus fought the dragons. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. There are actually books of the Bible that were not included uh, whenever the Nicene Council got together where Jesus fought dragons. Oh, can you read those? Are those available? Uh, yes, they're part of the Gnostic Gospels, I believe. Fantastic. I know yes. what I'm doing this weekend. I would have went to Sunday school. <laughs> Jesus fighting a bunch of dragons? Yes, please, and thank you. And then he took the ring to Mordor. Oh, and I, for, I, this, I, I was at a different place in the book, but before the voice developed... You could ask it questions. Uh, you could ask it questions that could be, according to uh, Richard William Bell's account, when asked a question in a way that it could be answered by numbers, for instance, how many persons present, how many horses in the barn, how many miles to a certain place, the answers would come in raps like a man knocking on the wall, the bureau, or the bedpost with his fist, or by so many scratches on the wall like the noise of a nail or claws, and the answers were invariably correct. See, I, whenever you said by rappings, I thought you meant like Busta Rhymes, Ice <laughs> tea. Eminem got in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just because, How you know. How many people? Seven in all. Three in the kitchen and two in the hall and then the four... <laughs> wonder when you start that how uh, how how long you're gonna go <laughs> i didn't make it very far that time but i was pleased with what i had yes it was very good yes so yeah it, it basically starts talking and would call people by name and like we said called uh elizabeth betsy it would call uh God, one, imagine uh, how creepy that would be because it's it's learning how to speak exactly and it's doing it in a whisper so you're just hearing Betsy. Oh, oh Jesus. No, Christ. thank you. And would quote, like, at one point in time, this thing quoted two sermons verbatim that had been given 13 miles apart at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's not just limited to their home. And also when they try to send Betsy away, she'll go spend the night at various, you know, friends and families' houses. Just follows her there. Yeah. You can't escape it, which is kind of the scariest part. And it hated John Bell. Constant invective against him. Just absolutely despised him. Yeah, this thing. I mean, it called him Old Jack. Old Jack, yeah. And it didn't say, oh, it's Old Jack. It's Old Jack. Old Jack. And it was, it was insistent it was going to kill him. Yes. And there's our crime that this ties to fucking murder. Yep, yep, yep. We have a potential murder here. And it would really mess with people, too. I didn't find this in any of the accounts. Like, I saw some vague references to other personalities or something like that. But the Richard William Bell uh, diary, quote unquote, uh, we'll find out. Uh, it gives a couple of instances of the, the ghost giving. Uh, an actual answer to the question, who are you and what do you want? Uh, at one point it said, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. It, they ask it, well, how were you disturbed? Why are you unhappy? And the voice claims that somebody, you know, it, it is the spirit of somebody who was buried in nearby woods. The grave was disturbed. Their bones were disinterred, scattered, and one of their teeth was lost under the bell's house. And that's its purpose for being there, is looking for the tooth. I need a priest and a dentist. 
<laughs> it's very rare that you need both of those at the same time, but when you do, you yes. do. Yes, indeed. And so there actually had been a time when they found some uh, Native American, like a Native American burial ground, and tried to not mess with it at all while they worked around it. But then they actually found, you know, some relics, and at one point they they did disinter the bones, found a jawbone, and somebody brought it to the house, threw it against the wall, which knocked out a tooth, which dropped through a crack in the floor. So they go through a whole bunch of just absolute rigmarole to try and find this tooth. They <laughs> dig up the dirt. They look through it, just like sift and everything, and find no tooth. And then the witch then laughed at Father, declaring that it was all a joke to fool old Jack. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only time. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, neighbor guys, James Gunn, asked the question, what are you? I love his movies, by the way. <laughs> yes, so yes. Good. I'm so glad he's back with the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's so glad he, good he came back from the grave in Tennessee. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and the reply was, I am the spirit of an early emigrant who brought a large sum of money and buried my treasure for safekeeping until needed. In the meanwhile, I died without divulging the secret, and I have returned in the spirit for the purpose of making known the hiding place, and I want Betsy Bell to have the money. And I want old Jack to get one square kick to the groin. <laughs> exactly. Actually, take the shovel Every hour. <laughs> while you're digging it up and just slam it right in the, right in the not kisser. Make it beat this pine cone. <laughs> it will amuse me. They actually do have to bargain with the ghost for the location and for who will actually go out to do the dig. There's actual negotiations taking process taking place here. Give a ghost. I'll give you two bags of ectoplasm <laughs> if you'll tell me where the treasure is buried. I'll give you a unicorn. I'll, I've got this brand new Ouija board. <laughs> so eventually, the ghost does divulge it's under this flat rock out of this place. And so they go out, and they have to get this huge, you know, with only the designated people, they have to get this, which you have to think, you know, we obviously know the ghost is messing with them. Mm -hmm. You have to think that she was targeting them at this point. They they dig, they get the, the rock out, they dig, they, they go to town on this area, and then eventually they still find no money after digging six feet square and almost six feet deep. So that's a lot of dirt. You, They're you digging their own graves. Really, yeah. And so they eventually give up. They come back to the house. They're, they're very hungry. They're very tired. And, uh, quote, That night the spirit appeared in great glee, laughing and tantalizing the men for being so easily duped, describing everything that occurred in, at the spring, which was where the rock was, in the most ludicrous way, telling how they tugged at the big stone and repeating what was said by each one. And then I took a whiz in your cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't put it past her. I peed on the side of the bowl so you couldn't hear. And apparently this was like, everybody in the house thought this was hilarious. It was, everybody would, every new person who came to the house, which apparently there were tons of people coming to see and hear the ghost, they would tell the story and they would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's so just, it's just very, very strange. How, how weird is that to get so used to paranormal phenomena? It's like, yeah, you got one over on us. Yeah, yeah, oh, you. You disembodied bitch. <laughs> you disembodied bitch. And it was a gossip, too. Loved to tell everybody what was going on in all the households of people around, especially the people who didn't want, like, people who knew that the ghost would tattle on them, and so they avoided it. 
And uh, another quote from the, the, the diaries, nothing of moment occurred in the country or in any family which was not reported by the witch at night. She was a gossip. She was the local chatty Kathy. Mm-hmm. Then the ghost identifies itself as Kate Batts, John's neighbor. Now here's where it gets weird. Kate's not dead. Kate Batts witch. Yes, Kate so, Bat's witch. I've never fully understood this. I is it the witch is dead and and it's it was her witch? No, witch back in those days was used as a catch-all term for like ghosts, okay, demons. Because they kept on thinking paranormal like, phenomena. She had a witch on call or something like no. you know, like she was like, and if anybody was like, you, you, you know, anything I can do to get this guy to fall in love with me, and she's like, hang on, I know a witch, you know? No, <laughs> no definitely not. Witch is a catch-all term. This is why it's called the Bell Witch. Um, the same way that now ghost is a catch-all term, but now it's starting to be, oh no, this is a demon, this is a residual haunting, this is an active haunting. Um, so now that term ghost, people are going to look back on the term ghost 300 years from now, going like, well, you know, it's a ghost, but you know, this is just a residual haunting. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, no, 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 no. That's just, it was just a catch-all term. The evolution of language and progress. I mean, this was... Over 200 years ago, yeah. which is so weird to think sometimes. But uh, so, yeah, and Mrs. Bats was not pleased about this. She did not like it. She was actually known to be pretty eccentric, kind of sensitive, but she was a good person. She, yeah. she seemed to be very a good neighbor. Uh, it, I like the kind of qualify her a good neighbor toward those she liked. Well, <laughs> here's here's the thing. Kate is actually related to the Bells. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, the uh, the daughter of John Williams and Faraby Murphy. Yeah. That's who <laughs> Kate is. Okay. I just love those names. John Williams. Normal. Faraby Murphy. <laughs> they love their R's. Um, she's married to Fred Batts. Okay. So John Bell's wife, Lucy, was a sister to Kate's father. So Kate is Lucy's niece. She's related to the Bells. And supposedly Kate and John had this massive fight over the sale of some slaves. And that's why it's believed that she sent this ghost to attack them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Total fucking bullshit. (laughs) There was never a fight between Kate and the Bells. The dispute, whenever you look into the records, the dispute was not related to Benjamin Batts even closely. Kate was not financially able to even own slaves. The land dispute, there's a lot of people go, oh, it was a land dispute with Kate. Nope. There was no record of a land dispute. There was a a land dispute with a Josiah Fort, but never anything with Kate. There is no proof whatsoever that Kate and John ever fought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling bullshit on this one. Oh, we have a lot to call bullshit oh on. That's our first bullshit of the episode. We should keep count. Oh All right, turn God. on the bullshit counter. That's one. <laughs> it's We're going to get into the triple digits, I feel. Yeah, it might happen. Because honestly, I'd say a good 90% of what we talked about already is bullshit. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we'll definitely, once we get to the, the end of the, the official story, or if you want to call it that, we'll definitely be, uh, uh, that ticker will be tick, tick, oh, ticking. Yeah. So then there's this weird thing that did not appear in anywhere but the diary again. This is um, the witch family. Did you find anything about this? I did not. This is new to me. It was this incident that happened over a period of time. It, it, it had a, a, a beginning point and an ending point. But one thing to keep in mind is that this diary was written 
um, by a man who was six years old when it happened, or when it started at least, and was it was written 30 years later, as the story goes. Yeah, the, story, the guy who actually publishes the diary yes, is told not to publish it until everybody until in the, the immediate family has died. That's fucking convenient. Yes, that's so convenient. So these four characters became a part of the whole dog and pony show that was Kate. Uh, they were named Black Dog, Mathematics, Psychography. I need to look that up, and Jerusalem. I didn't think to look that up. Why didn't hmm. I think to look that up? What the heck? Do you know what Psychography is? I don't. It's. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. All right. If you can hear a spell witch, how do you spell it? I give up, and we'll never know. All right, so their names were <laughs> Black Dog, Mathematics, Psychography, and Jerusalem. And if you're curious about the Psychography and you don't have a, a Patreon to listen to the unedited episodes, and you want to look it up, good luck to you. We would love it if you found something, because we can't in our quick little search. It's spelled C-Y-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-Y. Yeah, good luck. Outsourcing! I haven't sung anything in a couple episodes, I don't think. Um, so yeah, uh, these were four characters that were supposed to be a witch family, and they would each have like little parts that they acted out uh, in what they called... In the, in the diary, they're high carnivals, using the most offensive language and uttering vile threats. Oh, they listen to this podcast. Yes, they do. <laughs> Fuck shit, twat! Never an episode my mom can listen to. Never. That's all right. So, Black Dog is supposed to be the, the, the head of the family. Uh, talked in a really, like, harsh, feminine voice. Then you have more delicate voices with mathematics and psychography. This is just the weirdest shit that somebody came up with. And Jerusalem, Jerusalem was supposed to be like a little boy. And they would just constantly, you couldn't escape them. You couldn't get away from them. Uh, they just were, were, had their, what they called uh, old carousels. There was, sometimes they would all fight with each other. And then Black Dog would show up to be the peacemaker. And uh, uttering bitter curses and threats of murder unless the belligerents should desist and behave themselves. I know you're already dead, and so, but I'll fucking kill you! <laughs> I know, what can you do? And sometimes would apparently thrash Jerusalem unmercifully for di disobeying orders. That's a quote from the book. Um, and then eventually, Black Dog supposedly sent the witch family away on different, quote, errands of deviltry. I want you to get some hard-boiled eggs. Typography or whatever the fuck your name is? <laughs> Who the fuck named you? Jesus Christ. I want you to go get the mayonnaise and the mustard and mathematics. Paprika. We're making deviled eggs. <laughs> devil. That's deviltry, all that right? It absolutely is. It's tasty deviltry. Devil, deviled eggs will now be known as deviltry to me, and I actually do not like deviled eggs very much. I don't, I don't like the yolk in hard-boiled eggs. I can do the, the, the white part, but I can't... Or the whites, I guess, as some people call it. Why is it got to be white? Um, but <laughs> Well, the witch would approve. But other times... Yes, yes, she would. <laughs> uh, so at other times, they would actually have uh, concerts, just nice, pleasant evenings where they would sing together uh, and, and, you know, sing hymns. And But eventually, they just left after the concert and then never came back. And after that, it was just Kate... Uh, who assumed all characters, sometimes very pious, quote, and then extremely wicked. It's almost like somebody who is suffering from multiple personality disorder. Yeah, I think there's another name for it now, but I can't for the life of me remember Disassociative what it is. Identity Disorder. Thank you. Yes. They keep on changing the names. It's, it's, honestly, I think it's a problem. 
whenever they're changing names. There is nothing offensive with multiple personality disorder. I don't, no, I don't think it's terribly inaccurate. It's not inaccurate. But I think whenever you start to to create these multiple syllable vague terms, you soften the language, mm-hmm. hoping not to hurt somebody's feelings. But I think I think people are more likely to be treated if it's harsh. If it's it like you know more accurate and understandable, right. right? I could I could refer to a disease as as a uh, multiple cellular engrossment of the human body. I don't think it's going to be treated as as strongly as if I go, it's fucking cancer. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think I think a lot of people in the in the efforts of uh, political correctness, you're actually doing a lot of harm. It can be, yeah, especially in the in the medical field, especially yeah. in psychiatry, where we already have enough difficulty. But that might be part of it is this the, the stigma attached to multiple personalities from you know say certain pieces of media, mm-hmm. uh, Seven Faces of Eve. Eve. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so the Seven Faces of Eve and stuff like that uh, might have maybe gotten to be too much to, yeah. to be the devil's egg advocate. Oh, <laughs> in 1818, John Bell was excommunicated from his church where he was a deacon supposedly due to usury i hope i said that right that's a hard word uh, over a slave sale but there were definitely rumors that it was because of the bell witch problem that this became too much for the church well i mean the bell witch followed them everywhere so can you imagine like he's like please have a seat here in the pew fuck shit you goddamn cocksucker (laughs) and then you've got the 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 pastor, priest, whoever doing, you know, their, their sermon. And they're like, God, I gotta get this right or else I'm going to get criticized by the bell witch. Cause she would correct people's scripture. Yeah. She was a little bit of a taskmaster when it came to the religious stuff. Jesus never said that. I was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then in 1819, all of these rumors make their way. Because all this time you have people coming to the house, constantly people flooding to the house to see all this happening. You've got people who are skeptics and want to investigate. You've got people who just want to be a part of it or see it or you know, see for themselves. And eventually Andrew Jackson becomes one of those. And three of the Bell Boys had served under him yes. uh, previously. At this time he was a major general, um, uh, the very model of one, in fact. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not singing that. That's a tough song. <laughs> it is a tough song. You have to clasp your hands in that weird way and stand very still. <laughs> and your voice has to get kind of high. Yeah. Um, in, yeah, I'm not singing. It. He was in Nashville, so he grabs some guys in a wagon and a horse, and they head out to Adams slash Red River to check out the the farm and check out the situation. But they can't actually get there at first. They run into some difficulty because. Either the horse just stops moving or the wheels lock up. It's, it really depends on what account you read. And I would say, well, the diary of Richard William Bell tells you this, but it doesn't ever mention Andrew Jackson. So there's that. Uh, and that's a big reason to add another ticker to the bullshit, but we'll get to it. So they're trying and trying to get the horse to go on, to get the, the wagon to move, and they have no luck. And finally, according to the accounts, Andrew Jackson goes... By the eternal, boys, that must be the Bell Witch. I'm here. Well, basically, yeah. Yeah. She answers. A a female voice answers. There's no females in the party, of course. It's Andrew Jackson, for God's sakes. And says, go on ahead to the house. I'll see you later tonight. And I have it in in my notes after this. 
Wink. <laughs> I'll see you later tonight, AJ. You ever get an invisible blowjob? <laughs> I'll see you there, Andy. You can check that off your bucket list. There we go. One of Jackson's men actually claims to be a witch tamer. Witch tamer! <laughs> he shows this off. This guy's a douchebag, yeah. actually, is what he is. He shows off this silver bullet and he goes, This will kill a ghost. And this is the reason why the Bell Witch never showed. And then the dude goes, Fuck! <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because he feels like he's being stuck with pins, and then he stands to run and gets kicked in the ass. Right out the door. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, my my version of this is he screams and starts jerking around like Elaine Bennis at a party. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Seinfeld reference for you. And then and- the, the Bell Witch goes, There's another fraud in your group. <laughs> There's another fraud. Come back tomorrow night and I'll tell you who it is. Very uh, very good at the cliffhangers, her. You Absolutely. Know, trying to get that repeat uh, audience. I was just thinking myself, I bet you'd be a really good podcaster. Come again next week to find out who else is a fucking fraud. Yeah. <laughs> and Support my Patreon! <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. Can I interest you in a Squarespace website? <laughs> Don't get simply safe. <laughs> you know what? You can try audible.com free for 30 days. I love third love bras. And they hold on to my invisible boobies. We need to stop because we're losing future sponsors by the bushel. <laughs> yes, really. We just we just got rid of, what, six? Seven? Yeah. I wasn't keeping count. Yeah. So, moving on. <laughs> Uh, all the other men want to leave because they're like, I don't want her calling me the fraud and then me to do the you know Elaine Bennis dance and then get kicked out of the mm-hmm. house. And Andrew Jackson's like, no, I want to find out because I know it's not me. And so he insists on spending the night. They all go out and they sleep in their tents. They're like, well, I'm, no, I'm not sleeping in this house. He stays. They were supposed to stay for a week. They're spotted heading back towards Nashville the next morning. You're a fucking fraud, Andy. <laughs> it's you. Supposedly, Andrew Jackson said, I'd rather fight the... In- I don't know. I'm not going to try any accents because I don't know where it's going. I'd rather fight the entire British army than to deal with the Bell Witch. <laughs> and so it goes. This constant harassment, it just continues. Um, and, and they're getting more and more visitors. This is a very famous thing. Uh, Johnson's son, James, actually comes by. He devises quite a clever test. Uh, James goes, uh, thinks of something no one else would know except for him. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the ghost and he goes, uh, whenever the slaves are doing something wrong at my Dutch step-grandmother's house in North Carolina, what did she say? And the uh, in the his grandmother's accent, like it's doing impersonations, <laughs> right? It goes, hup, tut, what has happened now? And James Johnston shat his pants. <laughs> oh my mightily. god! An unknown Englishman visits. He offers to investigate. So the ghost wakes him and connects a spectral phone call to his parents in England. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> like it's like it's like I've got I've got your parents on the phone. He goes, really? George, is that you? Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Come home. And so he does. Oh he leaves God. the next morning. And he leaves quickly. Doing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Going back home. And 
she had quite the personality, Kate did. And some of this personality, as we referenced earlier, would not be acceptable today. And I still don't think should have been acceptable back then. But I read some newspapers from back in the day, and I think it was considered pretty acceptable. She was a racist bitch. Yeah. Holy shit, was she racist? You guys don't even know how much... I have not read the N-word so many times in succession. I'm, I don't even know when. Never, basically, maybe. Maybe uh, reading, like, you know... Uh, Some of Lovecraft stuff. Tom Sawyer, or... No, what's the other one? Huck Finn. Yeah. Uh, maybe there, but yeah. Um, it's a lot. So, whether it's the original version of the N-word, because I'm not comfortable saying that, and you know what word I'm talking about. Absolutely. Or the modern version of the N-word. I'm always going to say N-word in these when I'm when I'm mentioning it. But uh, It's the word so bad they don't use it in porn. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> she said, uh, this is a quote, I despise to smell an N-word. The scent makes me sick. The slaves were never bothered when they stayed in their cabins during the nighttime. Uh, but if they left their cabins, and oh boy, they would run into some trouble. She wouldn't actually go into the cabins. At one point, Lucy, the mother, she tries a little trick where she has one of the slave girls come into the house and hide under the bed. This is Anki, uh, who this this girl was known as. And uh, she, she grabs the girl and starts spitting in her face. And so she runs away, the little girl, and then the witch then addressed mother. Say, Luce, did you bring that N-word in here? Yes, replied Mother. I told Anki that she might go under my bed where she would be out of the way to hear you talk and sing. I thought so, replied Kate. I guess she heard me. Nobody but you, Luce, would have thought of such a smart trick as that. And if anybody else had done it, I would have killed the damn N-word. Lord Jesus, I won't get over that smell in a month. This is a short book and I had to take a break after yeah. that. I was yeah. like, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need a break. <laughs> For as Republican as the ghost was, uh, the... Don't make me spit into the microphone. <laughs> The ghost loved Lucy. Loved Lucy. Loved, adored her. It was so... It's, it's interesting to think of all the different... The total enmity towards John. The love for Lucy. The seriously mixed feelings for Betsy. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely mixed feelings. Because for all that she harassed Betsy, she also tried to stop an engagement that she claimed was a, was a, a bad match and would end in, in sorrow, although we have no... Proof one way or the other. She could have just been doing it because she didn't want to see Betsy happy as well. So yeah. that's a possibility. But yeah, loved, love Lucy. He, she, she called Lucy the most perfect woman to walk the earth, would sing for her, and then gave her gifts of fruit. Yeah. When she was sick, she brought, brought fruit and nuts. She was, she was so worried when uh, Lucy was laid up with a bout of pleurisy that she, would, she brought her hazelnuts and grapes. They were just basically like, you know, it was the, the, Kate was just like, hold out your hand. And there were other people in the room. And Kate holds out her hand and just, you know, nuts appear. And then the, the hazelnuts, you know, Kate's like, well, why aren't you eating the hazelnuts? They'll, they'll help you. And she's like, well, I don't have anything to crack them. Sure enough. Kate cracks them, and yeah, she'll just she'll bring her her grapes and and nuts and things whenever she wants. It's, it's very very weird. Manifestations also kind of a kind of a common thing during hauntings, uh, more so than people believe. Uh, also, like demanifestations. I had I, I lived in a house that was active mm -hmm. at one point. I make no secret about it. And one night. It hid my car keys. Huh. It absolutely hid my car keys. And I, I was late for work, and half an hour went by. 
until I found them. And finally, like, there they are, right where they're supposed to be, <laughs> out in the open, on the table. And I snatch it up, and I'm going, fucking thank you! <laughs> and I go out the door, and I get to the first stop sign. And the rotor brakes on my car, and I go skidding through the stop sign. It occurs to me that I could have really hit another car. Yeah. And I kind of went, okay, thank you. <laughs> For real this time. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's other weird things that happen. So there is a, a woman named, uh, well... Her name is Martha Bell, but the ghost, again, has a nickname for her. And she's a relative, uh, I believe she's maybe married to John's brother. She's Jesse's wife. That'll tell you everything you need to know. She's Jesse's wife. Um, I wish I had Jesse's wife. (laughs) But she's just a girl. (laughs) So uh, she, uh, yeah, nope, Jesse is the eldest son. Sorry, I had to go look through my notes. Jesse's the eldest son. And uh, Kate rather liked Jesse's wife, Martha, uh, called her Potts, which is kind of a weird nickname. I, I wasn't able to find any origin for that. 420. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she liked to smoke the green. I get the feeling that that old Kate's witch would just... I fucking gonged it up like nobody's business. I don't know. She can be a little uptight sometimes. Maybe she needed to. <laughs> but in this case... Uh, I use it for my glaucoma! Martha and Jesse were planning on moving to Mississippi. And the ghost, Kate, came to Martha just before they were about to leave. So Martha was there peeling apples, and she hears sort of a a whispering noise. She recognizes it as Kate. And so she says, what do you want, Kate? Speak out so I can understand you. She hears the voice reply, and now it's it's more of an actual voice. Potts, I have brought you a present to keep in remembrance of me when you go to your faraway new home. Will it's you accept it? Five ounces of the finest <laughs> Skywalker OG. <Yeah. laughs> this will keep you chill. And so Martha accepts it, and what happens is there's it falls right into her lap a little paper wrapped object. She opens it, and it's stockings. And the witch says, you know, I want you to keep them for your burial to remember me. Never wear them. Or I guess only wear them at your burial. Never wear them while you're alive, which is creepy. But then again, you're dealing with a ghost giving you mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of underwear in a way. Stockings, it, you know, it's not quite underwear, but it's, it's hosiery. Uh, it's still, you know, it's, it's, it, she went, went to Victoria's Secret and <laughs> picked up some cute black lace numbers. <laughs> I want your corpse to look very, very sexy. <laughs> for reasons <laughs> and so martha's looking at these and she sees that one of them has like a stain on it so she says Ew. what is this oh yeah it gets worse and kate says uh that's blood they killed a beef at kate bats this morning and the blood spattered on the stocking so they killed a cow uh the stocking for some reason was near the cow i have to think that maybe kate was wearing them <laughs> that's really the only explanation unless they're killing cows in the laundry room i'm so sexy <laughs> look at this cow dying <laughs> i'm so sexy and so martha had not left all morning Kate and her family. Oh, fucking creepy gift. I'm sorry. That, oh no, it's so creepy. like blood-stained wor- stockings. It's like the worst thing you could possibly yeah. give somebody. And it was confirmed that they had, like, then and, and Martha had no way of knowing this. Mm-hmm. They had killed 
a cow at the bats place that day. So, uh, and Martha hadn't left. Nobody had came and seen her. So yeah, weird, weird stuff happening. And then uh, Betsy, as we said, she gets interested in this local dude, Joshua Gardner. They get engaged. Everything's exciting. But then Kate is constantly saying, don't marry him, don't marry him, don't marry him. Kate is harassing them, both of them, everywhere they go. It took a long while, but Easter Monday, 1821, uh, Betsy broke the engagement. And this is this kind of leads to one of our suspects of who might have been the instigator of this haunting. Mm-hmm. Betsy, while she was engaged with Joshua Gardner, everybody was happy. Everybody thought it was great, except for one person. Richard Pervert Powell, <laughs> Betsy's school teacher. He yeah. was 11 years her senior, and he wanted a slice of that. Yes, he did. It was. It was. It seems pretty clear. He definitely wanted a slice of that. Had a wife. Mm-hmm. She died. No one says how. I mean, granted, you know, like women could die just by existing. You yeah. know, like having female genitalia was basically like an early death sentence. It yeah. didn't even matter if you had kids or not. It's like having a guillotine between your legs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cross my legs a little more now. Okay. Yep, there we go. Okay. But but Richard Powell was considered a serious student of the occult. Yeah, yeah. He there There were people who would come up to his house and he would be heard speaking words that were... Not quite Latin, although he would claim they were Latin. Some interesting stuff with him. Yeah, he's he's a question mark in my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, whenever you have somebody who studies the occult, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, we've got this time. I'm wondering if, like, powwow kind of entered into this. It's possible. If you had some 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 of the Pennsylvania Dutch migrate down there, potentially, maybe. I, I mean, know. I mean, the Johnston's, Johnston's step-grandmother... It said right there, he, she was Dutch. That's true, yeah. So, I mean, yes, you do have a connection there. And, you know, you've got a couple copies of, you know, the, the Long Lost Friend, mm. the Sixth and Seventh Book of Moses, and a serious want of Betsy's undercarriage. <laughs> it can happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that definitely became a, a rumor. Uh, but then... Uh, John Bell's health is already not great. Keep in mind, he was about 67 when the, mm-hmm. this started. So it, 67 in the 1800s. Yeah, which is like 105 now. Yeah. So he starts to have he starts to have some facial twitching going on. He's got some a hard time swallowing. He says he feels like there's a bone or something stuck crosswise in his throat, which sounds super uncomfortable. Sometimes he wouldn't be able to eat or, or talk for mm-hmm. days at a time eventually. And eventually, by the fall of 1820, he can't even really leave the house. And at one point when he, the, the, pretty much the last time he left the house, Kate is just tormenting him. She's, every time he tries to walk, she's ripping off his shoes. And uh, she, he got, went into a seizure and she just started slapping him in the middle of it because that's fun, I guess. Cursing him, you know. And so after that, December 19th, 1820... He goes into a coma, and now here's the difference between pretty much all of the the research, all the different accounts I read, and the diary. The diary has December 19th, uh, he ends up in uh, sort of a a coma, and on that day, and then immediately as soon as they figure out that he's not waking up, they find the vial 
the mysterious vial that they, they can't, you know, really place. Mm-hmm. They can't figure out where it came from. And then all the other stories had it happening after he died the next day. So it was just an interesting, weird sort of displacement of this particular event between one day and another. It's not huge or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just when I saw that, I was like, well, that's not the order I read everywhere else. So that's interesting. Right. And, but it's unlabeled. Um, and so they find this vial. They eventually give some to the cat. Why? Um, or a cat. A... They just found a stray cat. It wasn't even like the cat. Oh, okay. And the quote from the diary is, the cat jumped and whirled over a few times, stretched out, kicked, and died very quick. And yeah, then Kate speaks up. I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night. Which fixed him. I don't know why I'm making her from, like, Suffolk, Indi- England. I... No, you're making her Margaret Murray. That's true. <laughs> Good old Margaret Murray. What if the ghost reincarnated into hunter. Margaret Murray, oh. and that's why she's so obsessed with them? It's her Maybe. It's her raison d'etre. She has to get rid of witches because she was a bad witch in the past life. There you go. Mm-hmm. Some some Working out that karma. Exactly. Good old Margaret and her, her museum-bound broomstick. Exactly. So John Jr., he takes the, the vial of liquid and he throws it in the fireplace after they kill the cat with it. And a blue flame explodes up into the chimney and, and leaves us with no ability to actually examine this blue vial or this vial. But... Uh, the doctor who's around actually does, he smells the vial and he smells John's breath and he says that they are, you know, he, he, he thinks he can smell some of it on John's breath. And then they throw the cat in the fire and it <laughs> delivers a unusually pleasant scent. And then they throw Betsy into the fire. Just because. And, you know, like it smells like pork. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's a woman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So they have a big funeral. And as the family is leaving the cemetery, Kate laughs and starts singing a song about a bottle of brandy. Mm-hmm. And she does not stop until the whole family has returned to the house and the graveyard is empty. I really wanted to sing brandy here at this point, but I made the mistake of listening to... I can't say the mistake. It's a fantastic podcast. Blurry photos. And, of course, they start singing brandy. And it's like, well, oh. I can't do that now! <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> Fuck. Oh, they stepped on your joke and <laughs> they did. long before we probably got to this, I'm guessing. I don't know when it was came out. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, been a while. So then Betsy ends her engagement and it was right about that time that, you know, it's she ends her engagement Easter Monday of 1821 uh and Kate comes to see Lucy Bell April 1821. So Betsy ends her engagement with Joshua Gardner and Kate comes uh, to Lucy and she says, I'm going to head out, but I'll be back in seven years. And sure enough, 1828, she comes back. And that time, Betsy marries Richard Pervert Powell, mm-hmm. good old teacher, hot for student. And well, I'm glad somebody gets what they want. <laughs> I don't even want to know where that's going. (laughs) What? I'm so confused. Nothing. Okay. (laughs) And so she comes back, Kate does, and she basically just hangs out with John Jr. the whole time. They talk about philosophy, science, religion. It's a a good, very, like, intellectual discussion. She's come a long way since she was, like, whispering hymns and voices you couldn't understand. Let me tell you about the origin of life, John. Mm-hmm. We were all purchased on credit, <laughs> never paid for, and now we're being repossessed one at a time. 
repossessed. <laughs> it's so perfect. Thank you. Oh, I love it. And actually gives some what is said to be, although we don't get specifics, prescient predictions about the upcoming Civil War, which mm-hmm. at this point, again, it's 1828. That's a good 34 years in the future, 30, 33, 34. Can you believe they're going to have a war for those smelly N-words. <laughs> That's probably exactly what she said. Would yeah. not doubt it. There'll be a tall guy with a hat, and he's going to set them all free. And people are going to know what's on his mind. Let me tell you at the end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you tell him, go to the theater. Tell him I said so. I encourage him to see many, many theatrical productions. Pay no attention to the clicking sound behind you. (laughs) Oh, it feels so wrong because he's so, you know. Uh, (laughs) I just put my hand up like there's a there's a a, a being up here of pure light that was Abraham Lincoln as far as American historical, you know, feelings are concerned. Yes, I like to think of the things that Lincoln would say if he were alive today. Like the state of the union is preserved. And it's nice to see equality has, has came through and things are more than they were in my day. And how much money do I get for these Lincoln logs? <laughs> Surely there must be royalties? Something? Thinking, something or other. So, um, yeah, after that, about three weeks of hanging out and having intellectual discussions with John Jr. says, all right, I'll be back in 107 years to see your most direct descendant. You'll all be dead. Which, notice the seven there, the repetition of seven. Mm -hmm. I'll be back in seven years, and then I'll be back in 107 years. I found that interesting. I couldn't make anything out of it, but that'll be uh, 1835. And it ends up being Dr. Charles Bailey Bell. He's a doctor in Nashville. He published a book in 1934. And then really we didn't hear anything after that. There's no follow-up, no sequel, no nothing. Kind of, sort of. You know, there's there's little things here and there. Uh, there There is a cave uh, called the Bellwitch Cave that's on the property mm-hmm. that is supposedly very haunted. Uh, still to this day, it, it's claimed that the witch was in there. It's actually claimed that the witch saved a child. Hmm. Like, a child got its head stuck between two rocks, which, you dumb fuck. Uh, and the witch grabbed him by the feet and yanked him out and drug him all the way to the entrance of the cave. Huh. And to this day, you can go visit the cave. Just not at Halloween. Bad marketing. Sorry. Um, but then, Charles Bell, there's another Charles Bell. There's a Scottish anatomist named Sir Charles Bell who discovers a neurological condition that nearly perfectly mimics the symptoms of John Bell. Bell's palsy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Aha! That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. the, the, The uncomfortableness in the throat... The drooping of the side of the face. Mm-hmm. Yes, it near mimics his symptoms. Huh. And you do have, sometimes people say they, they the usual haunting shenanigans. You hear voices and laughter. People have, you know, see, see lights, you know, your, you know, will of the wisp or whatever. Uh, there's issues with photography there with things showing up mm-hmm. that weren't there when the person took the, the picture. Which I kind of chalk up honestly. And once again, I'm a big believer in the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that this case is 99% bullshit, 1% truth. But there are things called tulpas. Yes. 
Uh, tulpas, if you want a very famous case of the tulpa, look up the Philip experiment, um, where a bunch of paranormal investigators actually got together and created a character named Philip and gave his life inconsistencies that could be proved, saying that he was here at one time and then he was here at another and the two times kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. And then without telling anybody the story, they bring in psychics that they've had great success with to tell the story of this ghost Philip, and they picked up on it and delivered a lot of the inconsistencies. So I think a lot of the paranormal phenomena is there just because we expect it to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly believe that. Well, I found, um, this was in 2015, uh, A&E did a, a little bit on the Bell Witch, and they, they brought in a medium psychic named Angel Lee, which is, of course, a fake name. Um, mm -hmm. Her real name is in the article. It's Sarah something, but I just... Sarah Pugh. Sarah Pugh. Who should be, honest to God, Sarah Pugh, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. I absolutely agree with you, yes. I think that uh, her face, like, we have our bullshit meter, maybe, mm -hmm. and her face is at the very top of it, and I uh, just want the, the red to go all the way up and smack her. Yeah. Uh, just like a like a like a racist ghost. So in 2015, she claims that Betsy Bell came to her and gave her the real story. Um, the family wasn't cursed. It was actually the land that's cursed. I'm just going to go ahead and give this to you with my sarcastic asides that I've already put go, in. Go right ahead. All right. And then I'll get indignant afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, so that's why the haunting started like 13 years after they settled there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a slave killed John Bell because someone in the family was sexually abusing Betsy, who was 11 at the time that everything began. Uh, or no, 11 at the time, according to the article. And I said, nope, would have been 14. Mm -hmm. And he, which there's some pronoun antecedent confusion here, because it's like, is the he meaning the slave or the he meaning John Bell? You can't really tell what that pronoun is referring to. Couldn't protect her. Then why not kill the person actually abusing Betsy? WTAF. <laughs> what the actual fuck? This, this story makes absolutely no goddamn sense. Why would you... Because... No, it, it, mm, I'm indignant. Yeah. I'm throwing my papers so, down. Do you hear that? So Sarah Pugh <laughs> slash Angel Lee. Oh, the pretentiousness of yeah. it just makes me want to just kick her in the tits. Is saying Betsy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> double kick to the tits. There's a Mortal Kombat move that you don't see very often. Fatality. Up, up, down, down, left, right, and then high kick and high punch at the same yeah. time. Um, But it's a... Uh, it's a thing where she's saying that Betsy has been molested by John Sr. Okay, so it, it, in the in the USA Today article I read, yeah. uh, which is where I got that info, it just said someone else in the family didn't specify. Right. John Sr. supposedly is the one being uh, Wait, the John Sr., not John Jr.? Not John Jr. John Sr. Because they specifically molesting. said someone else in the family, which is why I was like, oh, okay, so he's not... It, it, I. I think it was just, it may, may have been a badly written article, but it's also a bad theory. So. Yeah, and American Haunting, the movie, goes into this, where they okay. have, it's actually Sam Elliott playing John Sr. in American oh, Haunting. Right. I believe that's the name of the movie. But he's molesting Betsy, and the story goes from Sarah Pugh that the slave poisons John, so the ghost takes credit for it to keep the slave safe. Which makes no sense. Since it was a racist, a racist ghost. ghost. The ghost would have went, that, that N-word over there did it. Exactly. I can smell him. Yeah, he was in this room. I can smell him. Here's the thing that really pisses me off. 
John Sr. was a real goddamn person. Yes, yes. Right? He wasn't a good person. He owned slaves. But let's face it, that was pretty common at the time. Yeah, especially in the su southern states. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Don't put this, don't put the whole molestation thing on a person, whether they're alive or dead, unless you have more proof than another ghost told me. And this is somebody who's not around to defend his memory or his exactly. legacy or anything. It, exactly. It's absolutely appalling. And it's, honestly, I feel like it, because it's, it's so obviously fake and so obviously made up, because as we're going to get to, this whole story is fucking made up. Um, just a minute. We're getting there, I swear. Oh, yeah. But I just want to state that I feel it also is denigrating to the real pain of victims of sexual abuse. Absolutely. To make shit up and then, you know, like, give this, this story about a, a, a slave saving them from their abuser and a, a, a ghost covering it all up in order to, to, to keep them safe. It, it just, it absolutely, it takes the very real pain and it puts this stupid fake story on it. This is another reason why, and I've learned this from multiple uh, writing teachers, but we don't, it, it's it's frowned upon, highly frowned upon to use rape as a plot device mm -hmm. in, in fiction because that is people's real trauma. Right. And that is a, a very real trauma that people have to live with for the rest of their lives. And to do that and use it as a, as a plot point, you know, like, unless you're doing it actually like the character, like, I don't, I don't even know. There's no, I, I, I can't think of any really good, <laughs> like, unless it's about survivors, you know, mm -hmm. unless it's a, a serious story about survivors, but just putting it there to give somebody character growth is, is frowned upon because it, it takes that trauma and it, it just sort of... It turns it from a real trauma into a fucking MacGuffin. Exactly. Exactly. That is not a plot device. That is a real horrible, violent thing that happens to many people. And yeah, I just found this whole... I was, I was disgusted reading that article about this. I was absolutely... I just wanted to, again, find this woman and just, just kick her in the ditch. Yeah, and so. I mean, this is something that happens often. Uh... Notoriously fake psychic John Edwards, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks after the 9-11 tragedies that struck America, was offering to contact the spirits of those who lost their life. Oh, I'm so angry right now. I'm contracting into myself and I will become a big incandescent ball of hot rage. Yeah. And John Edwards, if you want to see how fake he is, look up anytime he does a like live call-in show. There's a very famous one where he's on Larry King and he's hitting nothing. Oh my god. I mean, absolutely nothing. I sense that somebody here in the audience has lost their grandparents. <laughs> Anybody? Does, does somebody here have a relative who's died? Their name starts with J. J. K. L. M. N. O. P. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you not scam me? Ooh, <laughs> that'll be $500. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, that was um, a big moment of me sitting there with righteous indignation. And once again, I want to preface this where I believe psychic phenomena happens. See, I don't know that I believe. but that's, And that's fine. Like, yeah. we can both have our stances on it, but I definitely do not believe that this woman knows shit. No, right. I, I, think, I think that it can't... It's not something that can be turned on, turned off mm -hmm. at will. Um... I've had I, I've had like little things happen to me where I know stuff that I can't know, 
and it's creeped people out. I've actually lost a drumming student. Oh boy! Yeah, because uh, I was I was sitting teaching this one kid drums, and I just got this image of this kid working behind the cash register at Hills. Uh, the store Hills. Yeah. We had a department store in Johnstown called Hills. He wasn't at a cash register in the in Hills. The Hills, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at her and I went, did your mom used to work the cash register at the Hills department store? And she goes, yeah. I go, yeah, I just got this weird flash of you working behind a cash register. I know you're too young, so I just imagine it might have been your mom. She never came oh, back to the boy. lessons after that. And, yeah, so that was that was kind of like, like one of the things that kind of went, ooh, that was creepy, mm-hmm. you know, that was weird. But it's not me, like, going, like, $500, and I'll tell you where your dad works. <laughs> or give me a show on A&E, and I'll make up a story about this Bell Witch thing. Honestly, please yeah. give us a show on A&E. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll make up all the stories you want. We'll do, I mean, Except we can just do not, this. you know, like, applying sexual abuse to a, you know, like, a supposed perpetrator who isn't around to defend himself, and be uh, a supposed victim victim who isn't around to refute it so so yeah let's talk about why this is fake everything everything yes everything there are so many reasons um so what happened was we talked about richard bell's diary i've quoted from it you know it was not published until 75 years after the events and this is all by the way coming from uh and and we'll give our our sources in the outro but this is all coming from uh brian dunning's at this at least at this point uh the the skeptoid article that we we both looked at yeah this this the entire story almost the entire story comes from one book martin van buren ingram's authenticated history of the bell witch it's the first book about the bell witch to be published but it's 75 years after the hauntings. And based on a diary that Ingram never actually produces a physical copy of. He just says, as we as we said earlier, he mm-hmm. says that he was given it by, you know, uh, I think by Richard Bell right. or, or a relative, uh, Richard Bell's son, maybe, right. actually. The diary of Richard Bell, who was six at the time of the hauntings. I would love to read a diary of a six-year-old. Today I pooped myself. But it was written 30 years after the event. Right. So it, this is his 30-year-old memories. We have talked about the fallibility of memory, and that's five minutes after something happens sometimes. This is 30 years later, the memories... Listeners, think back to when you were six. What the hell do you remember? Because I remember playing a little bit, and, and I'm about, um, you know, give or take five or ten years. I'm not going to let you guess my age. I am getting to that point where I'm doing that, like, like stereotypical vain woman thing where I don't want people to know how old I am, and I don't I'll be, like it. I'll be 46 here in a couple of months, yeah, and it scares like it. me. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm 37. Yeah. There we go. All right. I'm 37. So... Uh, so yeah, they, see, there, I got past my shit right on the air. There it is. <laughs> and so, I'm, we're talking about the same difference in time. I'm, it was 31 years ago, I was how old he was when the hauntings began. And I can't remember, I can remember hardly anything from when I was six. I remember playing, uh, we, we had a, a whole game where we had an invisible man that we would make mud pies for, and, and whether or not they were had sticks and, and stones in them, dependent on whether he was good or evil that day, and we would always go, look, it's the Invisible Man, and then if, you know, the people would, the friend would turn and look, oh, you missed him. That's about it. I remember, I think, getting my head stuck in my mom's bed railings, and maybe burning my hand on a curling iron. I don't have vivid recollections in order to produce 40 pages of racist ghost bullshit. This, this is going to be interesting. I remember stepping on a nail in my cowboy boots, and to this day, I still have a chunk of rubber that you can feel just underneath the skin of my foot from stepping, a chunk of rubber from the sole of the cowboy boot. 
And I can remember one paranormal phenomena. It was the first paranormal phenomena that ever occurred to me. And I remember that from the age of actually five. I would have been five years old. Um, so a little bit of story time. Uh, my family owned a house in Salisbury, but then a hunting cabin, like this big three-story A-frame in the woods of Mount Davis. We're sitting on the porch. There's no electricity. And it's my mom. It's my dad. Me. Mm-hmm. And we hear my grandfather yell from the trees, Hey, Paul! Hey, Paul! It's my grandfather's voice, right? My grandfather's still alive. Okay. At this time. That was my first question. Yeah, my grandfather's <laughs> still alive. So my dad shines a light down, like a like you know a high powered like deer hunting light that's powered by you know like one of those big square batteries. Mm-hmm. Doesn't see anything. We're thinking my older brother maybe dropped him off at the end of the lane because there's a lane. My grandfather walked back. And at this point, my dad's kind of pissed off at my older brother. Like, why wouldn't he drive him back? Why'd he drop him off in mm-hmm. the dark? We don't, don't see him. We get a little freaked out. We pack up our stuff and we head back down. It's about five miles back to Salisbury. And we get there and no, everything's fine. Grandpa's down there. The next morning, my grandpa has a heart attack and dies. <gasps> That's like, we talked about pre-ghosts. Yeah. That's like the other end of the spectrum, that's, but still a pre-ghost. Yeah, that's, you know? <laughs> that's like, where I actually learned the word portent okay. from, because my dad went, that was a portent. And remember, my dad did a little bit of powwow, too. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that on a previous episode. And that night, too, this is just kind of coming back to me. I had a pet parakeet named Chirpy. That mm. night, Chirpy freaked out. That's so cute. That is. That is. That night, Chirpy freaked out. My mom had never seen him freak out like that before. He, We would go to bed. He would start screaming his head off. My mom walked out. He'd be calm. Hmm. Back and forth like that about three times, if I'm remembering this correctly. But yeah, that's the two things I remember from the age of five slash six. Yeah, yeah. Not enough to make, uh, you know, like a 40-ish a, a pages. Right. I can't it might even, even be 60. It really depends on what version you look at. I can't even remember what my first grade teacher's name was. This doesn't have page. Oh, oh, it does have 56 pages, actually, I should say. I can remember some of my teacher's names, but not all of them. Mm. So, so yeah, you have that. Um, and... But anywhere before this book was created, the, the Ingram's pr- production of this diary, and uh, I believe there's some other text around it too, there's no mention of John Bell anywhere. Even there's a, a history of Tennessee. It's Goodspeed's History of Tennessee, which these were produced, it turns out, there was sort of a vanity publication where like enough people would submit something and then they, eventually they would publish it. And these people who submitted things also mm-hmm. were subscribers. So sort of like the, the poetry scam that I almost fell for back when I was in high school when a, a, a company offered to publish my poem in a book and I was super excited. And then that book was forty nine ninety five, and my mom refused to buy it. And then mm-hmm. our friend of the show, Jamie, sent in her own poem about her, I think it was about her stinky socks. And of course she got accepted too and proved it. Yeah, she, I'm not as much of a skeptic as I should be. Um, so yeah, it, it was that kind of style of book. And they have a whole thing about the ghost but it's pretty bland. It just says was connected with the family of John Bell says when they settled there 
does it just it would take the sugar from the bowl, spill the milk, take the quilts from the bed, slap and pinch the children, and then laugh at the discomfiture of its victims. At first, it was supposed to be a good spirit, but its subsequent acts, together with the curses with which it supplemented its remarks, proved the contrary. Nothing about John Bell dying. Nothing about Andrew Jackson. And let's talk about Andrew Jackson, shall we? Let's let's shall. Yes, let's because shall. <laughs> Andrew Jackson's movements are very well documented in history. Extremely well. He documented. had his own writings of his movements and his life, and there there are biographies of him as well. Mm-hmm. We know where he was, and guess where he never was? The Bell Farm. Yes, yes. Uh, Andrew Jackson's movements. There is no record of him coming anywhere near Robertson's County between 1814 and 1820. Mm-hmm. He just did not go. Yeah, plain and simple. And this is a man who's you know this was a war hero. This was somebody an who eventual had, president exactly, and and had designs to be president, and someone that cursed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he would have loved this show. Absolutely, <laughs> except he would have yelled at us for not saying the N word. Exactly. <laughs> what do you mean they're human? <laughs> Scott slept with some of them. <laughs> My God, you and Jefferson disgust me. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's nothing connecting Andrew Jackson to this. So that aspect of it, I mean, you can say okay, that's one aspect of it, but let's talk about the the book uh, American Hauntings: The True Stories Behind Hollywood's Scariest Movies. There's more to the title, but that's all I'm going to read to you by Robert E. Bartholomew, Joe Nickel. Uh, they have some more skepticism in here that uh, I, I thoroughly got wrapped up in. This diary, there were anachronisms in here, like sort of it was written from. Definitely within the diary, written from the point of view of somebody who at least knew about spiritualism, which didn't come around until a few years after 1846. The Fox Sisters were kind of the the beginning of that. For those that don't know, the Fox Sisters were some very impressive sisters who could supposedly speak to ghosts. Mm -hmm. And they were mediums. What they were actually really good at was cracking the bones in their ankles, like their knuckles. So it's like, spirit... If you can hear me, not wrap the table. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And they cracked their knuckle. I don't know if that's going to show up on the microphone. Yeah, and I can't crack my knuckle, so. Yeah. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, they, and, and they kind of maybe weren't necessarily the beginning, but they were the beginning of the explosion of the spiritualist mm-hmm. movement of people, you know, holding seances with mediums and all this. You can talk to the dead stuff that happened. And I mean, that eventually these... John Edwards would yeah. <laughs> be so, born from. Some of these fake mediums, though, they were hardcore. They oh, would yeah. stuff, they would stuff cheesecloth up into their nasal passages mm-hmm. and their orifices if they had them and then, then expel them to make Ghosts. Yes. Know, it was like, it was, that's that's the birth of the whole ectoplasm thing. I guess you got to make a dime somehow, I guess. So, so yeah, it was written sort of in the, that context, but that didn't start until a few years after uh, 1846, which is when the diary was supposed to have been written. They did say, okay, the diary references a detective, and it does. Um, and then they say they weren't around until 1840 in England and 1853 in America, and also when detective was used as an adjective versus a noun. But Edam Online does have it starting in around 1828. Mm. So that's iffy, because 1846, again, was supposedly when the writing... Detective Walter Dew. Yes! Good old Mountain Dew. So, and there are many, many similarities between Bell's writing 
of the diary and Ingram's overall style, because Ingram was also a newspaper publisher. Uh, so we have a, a lot of his actual writing and then his also writing in the book. You have style, syntax, word choice, sentence length, exact phrases in some cases. So they, they made the same grammatical errors. You, I can pinpoint, like I can, I can see in a student's work, I can see them making the same grammatical errors mm -hmm. over and over again. We, we don't know what we don't know and we haven't fixed those things. We continue to, they just become habits that we have to slowly break. And so they hadn't, you know, Ingram hadn't broken those. And so if, say, he wrote Bell's diary himself, there you go. Mm -hmm. Forensic linguistics. If you want to look up something fascinating, mm. there is actually a field of criminology called forensic linguistics. One, essentially, you can tell where a person is from based on their style of writing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a, I'm not going to say a famous case, but there is a kidnapping case where in the ransom letter it says, leave the money on the devil strip. What's a devil strip, you may ask? I may. A uh, devil strip is the little piece of grass between the, the road and the sidewalk. That's oh, so it has nothing to do with shaving your coochie? Nothing. Okay, good to know. Nothing <laughs> at all. It yes, should. Absolutely. But only in Akron, Ohio. Oh! That's what a devil strip is. Wow. Yeah, and I had yeah. family in Akron, so as soon as I saw that, I knew what it, I knew where to leave the money on the devil strip. The piece of grass between the road and the sidewalk. So, the forensic linguistist looks at this and goes, The devil strip! Which one of our suspects has ties to Akron? Amazing. And they go, oh, I love This it. guy! He's the kidnapper. Go get him. And they actually rescue the kidnap victim from the kidnapper because he said, leave the money on the devil strip. I want a podcast on forensic linguistics either to listen to or to make. Um, they also did a reading analysis on both Bell's diary and Ingram's writing. Uh, nearly identical reading levels, which is like the the age you would need to be to understand this this particular writing. 14.4 so versus 14.3. That is thing. close. And one of them is a journalist. And I'm not denigrating farmers in any way, but they don't spend their life writing. The other one is a farmer. Mm -hmm. That is not people who would normally have similar writing levels. And here's the thing, too. It, it, I know this is old-timey crimey, but even if this isn't murder... We're getting fraud in there. Exactly, exactly. We're getting fraud. And there's so there, there's some really interesting stuff here. Ingram actually does present the names of 43 men who supposedly authenticate the Bell Witch happenings. But all they really are is character references about the trustworthiness of the other people that Ingram talks about in, in the story. That they, it does, it, the wording is confusing and it lead, it's misleading. It leads you to believe that these people actually are saying... Because I saw affidavits mentioned in some place and I was like, where the hell are these affidavits? If there's, if there's affidavits, that's a legal goddamn like piece of paper. It should be saved somewhere. Somebody would have referenced it somewhere. Nope. Not because that's what they're referring to when they say affidavits. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how this stuff gets twisted up. You have supposedly talking about things that didn't exist, an 1849 article in the Saturday Evening Post that blamed Betsy. Ingram talks about this. She threatens to sue. It blames Betsy, says this is all her making it up. It was all her doing this. She threatens to sue. Eventually they settle and they retract it. Well, guess what you can't find? Two things. The article or the retraction or uh, three things. Any mention of a court case whatsoever. You would think a court case about a freaking ghost 
and a highly regarded publication would somehow make it into the news somewhere. Nope. Guess what else didn't make it into the news? Anything! Anything about this prior to the actual case, yeah. or the actual book, sorry, being written by Ingram 75 years later. We talked about Spring Heel Jack last week. The one, the book that I referenced in that, there were so he he said at the end he had 150 footnotes or something like that, and he said I couldn't nearly approach the number, the, the, the like actually amount of written material there was about this in newspapers and other periodicals, because it's all very closely written and you know it, it's a strain on the eyes and it's just taxing, mm -hmm. and yet. Nothing. Literally nothing. I even looked at newspapers from that period of time. I found some fun stuff. Ooh. Let's take a quick break. Um, Old-timey newspaper. The Kentucky Reporter. Now, I on the Library of Congress website, I got a little mixed up with what I was seeing. This is actually from March 22nd, 1902, so a little bit ahead of our time. But there was a lovely item, bottom uh, corner of page one. So front page. Wow. Front page item. Not above the fold, though. Need to try harder. Not above the fold, no. Mrs. Clark is who needs to try harder. That bitch. Uh, she, oh, yes, because uh, she has uh, the idea of bad cooking causes crime. <laughs> Mrs. Evelyn C. Clark of this city wants to lead a campaign for the education of all girls, rich and poor, to the art of cooking. The cook question, she says, is the most important one now before the world. Bad cooking, said Mrs. Clark, is responsible for most of the suicides and much of the crime that is committed in this country. The mind and stomach make a deranged brain. And I was just like, whoa. And then I turned the page and I saw like five different ads for skin and bleaching and hair straightening things. And I was like, I am so glad I live in this time and not that time, even though there's sometimes reasons I wish I lived in that time. But not that's not one of them. I'll tell you what, my that's first horrible. wife's cooking was enough to make me want to blow my brains out. <laughs> so uh, there is some truth to that. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, yeah. But, no, there's nothing new. And it's not like I could do a thorough search, but nobody else has ever found, any, found anything either. You know? Like, people have gone actually down to the area and looked through the microfiches yeah, and found and if, nothing. If and I am half tempted to do it myself, too. If you're from there, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. And everything, especially not on Halloween. Somebody go to the library on Halloween because you can't go to the Bell Witch Cave, apparently. Yep. Every single story that Ingram relates was told to him by people who heard it from dead people so not not dead people talking mm -hmm. to them but people before they died but are now dead at the time of the telling that's like third hand from people who can't verify because guess what they're six feet under um and here it is here it is i love seeing you get this worked up and passionate over oh my this. god it's so fake You're taking this it's personally. so damn fake i am taking this personally yeah because so many people have believed in this and i'm sitting here and i'm like no it is so obviously bullshit and it's not like I saw this when I first read it. I first read it and I was like, okay, that's an interesting story. And then I read the, the skeptics about it and I was like, oh, that is such bullshit and I'm going to get crazy about it. So crowds and crowds of people are coming to see Kate and hear Kate. Mm -hmm. Many of them probably intellectuals, skeptics, people who... Somebody surely would have reported this. Somebody somewhere would have reported this. Never in the paper. And here you have... <sighs> Ingram was a skeptic of spiritualism. Can't blame him. All right. In the 1870s, he actually ran an entire anti-spiritualist campaign in his newspaper. And there was something known as the Liars Clubs. 
Do you Do know about the Lion Clubs? Yeah, this is now, fun. Now I've I've heard of of certain clubs like storytellers clubs mm-hmm. where it would be uh, there would be a contest to see who could get the biggest fabrication into a published newspaper. Are we talking about the same thing? Dennis essentially does seem to be the main goal. Okay. They would basically create hoaxes and they would use their connections around their town to get the locals to all provide verification, provide affidavits, witness statements, all this stuff. And sometimes the newspapers were even in on it. In uh, At one point in time, the Scientific American got duped by a picture of a man holding an 86-pound potato in Colorado. It was actually a hoax created by the editor of that town's paper. But you, the Liars Club is all these people who would get together and they would, you know, the names that, that Ingram referenced that these people will authenticate that the, the stories I'm telling are true or whatever, however it was he phrased it, that's all people who are in on it. That's all part of the hoax. And the thing that gets me is I have to question how many things that we see could have been part, could have been a result of Liars Club's hoaxes that just never got found out. I mean, take a look. Whenever I was younger, there was a newspaper called the Weekly World News. Mm, I, I actually, remember it. Yeah, I actually knew somebody who was in the Weekly World News. Uh, Bruce, um, uh, he's actually a local musician, uh, Mad Max McCain. Okay. So Bruce was the son of the devil. Oh! Because he had a buddy who was a photographer for the Weekly World News. And every year, this guy would throw a party, and he'd snap a couple photos of people there. And yeah, Bruce made it into the paper uh, as the son of the devil. Mm-hmm. So if you get the chance, though, Mad Max McCain, hell of a musician, hell of a musician. I love him. I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he'll mind us pimping him out. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that there was anything. Uh, maybe there are a few things that happened to the Bell family and it got passed down through the generations and eventually Ingram decided to use this as, you know, the basis for a hoax. But I don't think there's really anything here. I think he's just a very creative man with not a lot of morals or maybe mis- just maybe just really mischievous and also still not a lot of morals. But he was, you know, a fabulist. He made up stories and he made up this story and it just so happens that every goddamn person believes it. Yeah, I, I think that there was... I think that something did go on. I, I do believe okay. that there I see. Some... I still believe that nothing happened, but that's just me. Just because I, I, I have all this proof against it, and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I, I do believe there was some sort of haunting. Okay. Um, because you have women there in this residence. And this is going to sound very weird. Women there in the residence between the ages of 10 and 16. Poltergeist phenomena. Oh, instead of, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, puberty and all that. Yeah, yeah. poltergeist yeah. phenomena happens a lot during that time. So I believe something went on. I believe, yes, maybe they heard some voices, maybe some sugar got spilled, maybe somebody got pinched. Okay. But I don't believe that there was like a four-part ghost harmony going on. <laughs> Between all these different personalities. Exactly. That then descended into a drunken brawl. Yeah. I don't think that there was a mysterious vial of blue liquid that poisoned the cat. And I don't think that it manifested fruit and, and nuts and stuff like that. I, ooh, ooh, I got another one. Yes. I just, when you said the mysterious vial of, of, of liquid... All right, so she gave, according to Richard Bell's account, which is mm-hmm. what Martin Ingram gives us, uh, she gave him, uh, she gave John Bell the liquid uh, last night, she says. So this is on the morning of the 19th. But then it kills the cat instantly. Immediately. Uh, yeah. yeah a, it just, uh, I don't know. 
Maybe I'm, I think I'm, I might be thinking backwards. It would kill the cat instantly if it was powerful enough. Yeah, I'm thinking backwards, but but still, it doesn't it doesn't work out because that's almost like 36 hours until he dies. Because he dies like if he, she gave it to him on the 18th, then he and he doesn't die until the 20th. That's a long time for something that kills a cat. Boom, just like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So no, this is this is utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it's got a kernel of truth. It, because we do have we do have the record of like this weird little haunting going on from what is it Godspeed's almanac or but something. But remember, like that. remember, Goodspeed's. This is subscription based. People are going to want mm-hmm. to send in stuff that they will want to publish. People have a, a good motivation for sending in a fake story. It could have been a fake story that eventually ended up being Ingram's fake story based on a fake story by Richard Bell. Based on a fake story that was yeah. in good speeds, that could have very well been the the inspiration. Honestly, like if if somebody came up to you and said, "You want to increase tourism in your area? I got a way you can increase tourism. You can have a book published with all the interesting stuff in your area." And guess what? You get to submit some of those ma- that material. Why don't you send me some material? And when I have enough, I'll publish something, and we'll get some tourism in your area. We'll get some more money in your, the pockets of you and your fellow townspeople. Wouldn't you maybe make some shit up about a haunting? Yeah, I yeah. would. I would. But you also have the the current activity at the residence. But once again, people are looking for it. Exactly. People are exactly. looking for it. So, but I think I I do believe something happened there because the best lie. The best lies are built on truth. I don't even know if this is the best lie because it's so fucking weird. I yeah. mean, look at the names of the, the personalities. You look know, at, Jerusalem and mathematics and psychography and whatever. Look at how so many weird. people believe this to this day, though. Okay, well, people are gullible. I know this because I am people. Yeah. <laughs> and I am super gullible. But I still, after reading all this proof, I was like, yep, uh, yep, yep. Or proof against it, rather. Mm-hmm. I was like... No, I totally, especially Ingram being a skeptic of spiritualism, nothing in any newspapers back then. If even a small thing had been happening, they glommed onto the tiniest damn thing that they could find in those newspapers, even a hundred years later. Seriously, go get lost in the, the Library of Congress digitized archives of newspapers from that time. It is fascinating, horrifying, ridiculous, and they will publish anything. Mrs. Johnson's cow broke through Stevenson's fence late April 3rd of 1872 and ate Mr. Johnston's knickers. Exactly. Charges pending. (laughs) Damn, Cal's going to swing for it. Execution will be Thursday, (laughs) weather permitting. And uh, somebody wear some black stockings uh, because uh, we need to give something to uh, good old Martha there as a going away present. So I think that's it. I think so. I I think think that's it. Yeah, that was the Bell Witch. That was fascinating and fun. And yeah, I did get fired up there, didn't I? I can still feel it. Um, so, okay, a couple of things for you guys before you go. Please stick around because we have an announcement to make. We'll get there. First of all, I would like to give a shout-out to uh, a Podbean user named Jay Mexico, who's been uh, who's posted a couple comments on our episodes uh, as they're listening to them. Uh, Jay, I don't know, male or female. Jay, tell you what, shoot us an email, uh, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com with your address and we'll read it on the air <laughs> no we will not do that 
and a screenshot of just like your account page, like nothing, you know, no passwords or anything in there, but just, just so we can verify that it's you. Um, and we're going to send you a free sticker because we really appreciate your listenership and your very kind and insightful comments about our episodes. Thank you so much. Thank we you really for listening. We really do appreciate it. And uh, also, uh, keep in mind, we have our Patreon. You can be a Flatfoot. You can be a Gumshoe. You can be a private dick. You can get access to such things as early release of unedited episodes and uh there is some gold in the unedited there episodes. is some gold yes and some terrifying things and you can also get uh, a, a template for business cards and various uh types of shout outs so go ahead and go look at our patreon page it is patreon.com slash old timey crimey maybe Yes, it is. That is, in fact, it. Okay, I was just nice. making sure real quick. I just I don't want to give them the wrong address. So, yes, it is patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. Go visit us there and see what there is to choose from if you would like. Don't forget, if you don't want to do a repeat uh, sort of giveaway monthly thing, uh, contributions, you can just do a one-time donation, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. Or come check out our social media, and I'm going to, this week again, post some links to our Amazon wish list. You can pick out a book, send it to us, and or, you know, just buy it, and we'll read it on Kindle. Anybody who gives us a $50 donation uh, one time through PayPal, I will send you a photo of Chrissy's mismatched eyebrows. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I mean... They can probably just like maybe like look at the picture I posted in the OC Sneed episode art, but this is true. But yes, I do have mismatched eyebrows, and actually, if this happens, I will also not wear mascara, so you can see the uh, the mismatched eyelashes too. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, yes, I am a, a holder of freaky eyebrows. She's she ate her twin. I, yes, so they say. Still creeps me out, especially with you add the OC thing to that, and it just gets worse and worse yeah, all the time. Yeah, it really does. So yeah, and we uh, follow our. I'm, I'm getting into the giveaway, guys. I'm just gonna fill fill it in with all the other stuff to hold you here. Our, our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Reddit. Come follow us. We're posting content relating to the episodes all the time. And to the giveaway, we want your creepy stranger stories. Tell us about that man in black, that person that followed you, that creepy, you know, like person looking in your window, whatever, creepy stranger, somebody that you met. And then when, you know, they left long after you had a realization that, oh my gosh, this was a really creepy interaction. Anything creepy stranger could be creepy stranger ghost. We'll absolutely listen to it. And we might just read it on the air. Send it to us at oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com and... If you send it to us between now, the day that this episode airs, which is October 25th, and November 29th is the cutoff date at midnight, we will pick from a hat all the names of the people who have sent us stories, and 10 of you will get a free sticker. Yay! Old-timey, crimey sticker. You can slap it on stuff and it'll stay there. And we'll do a live video. That's what a sticker is, Scott. Very good. Thank you. Um, That's learned, why I said it like I was a child. We learned our ABCs and the definition of a sticker today. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll send it to you. And it's very nice. It has our logo on it and the pretty red lettering and everything. They're really great stickers. And we'll also do a live video of the choosing from a hat and probably say things in weird accents and maybe sing your name. So, uh, you know, you can't uh, really turn that down just for giving us a story that we can eventually read on the air. So, Oh, we should sing Jay Mexico's name. Jay Mexico. Ah. <laughs> I think we all have the same instincts on that. Creepily <laughs> accurate. We're on the same level. Uh oh. Great minds think alike, and so do ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an exception to every rule, mm -hmm. and we're kind of the exception, kind of the rule. Yeah, we are. <laughs> all right, so I guess that's it for us. That's it. Any big plans for this week, bud? 
Um, I'm gonna do a lot of cross stitching. I feel the need for some self care, and that get, provides me with some self care. Cross stitching and listening to true crime podcasts, basically. Very nice. Um, might do something on on Sunday because I think the weather's gonna be nice. Um, and yeah, just school work and other work and all kinds of work, work, work. But yes, yeah, also some self care. I think it's important. So absolutely. How about absolutely. you? I am going to uh, spend a lot of time researching our next uh, show, and I have to write the I do's. For a wedding that I am performing, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Oh, my. Yes. And uh, for a wedding gift, this won't give it away because they'll be they'll be married and they'll have the gift. Hopefully, I just ordered it well, today. Well, wait. Next Saturday? Yeah. This episode will come out, um, wait. They don't listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it'll be, it'll be, uh, I got them a edible spoon maker. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's like one of those gifts. I saw it today. I wish I would have had it beforehand because I don't know if it'll get to me in time. Mm. But it's one of those gifts that's it's like a kind of a joke gift, but I could see them ending up really using a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you almost like look at it and you're like, ha-ha. Hmm. I actually had to, I had, not had to, but somebody requested I write them a poem and read it at their wedding once. Ooh. And that was a nerve-wracking experience. Uh, <laughs> but I got, I got high quality. Palms? Yeah, high kudos for it afterwards, and even somebody who came up to me, like I think it was the the person who officiated the wedding, they were like, "Who wrote that poem?" And I was like, "I did." <laughs> so, so good luck on the vow writing. I'm sure you're doing a fantastic oh, yeah. job. This you're is my second. It. This is my second wedding. Well, the first one was Princess Bride, oh, so yeah. that, that one wrote itself. <laughs> pretty much so. Pretty much so. But I had to deliver that speech in the middle of the uh, reception too. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So Christy was a. Christy was a bridesmaid. Oh, I was a that. bridesmaid. Yes, a bridesmaid trying not to laugh my ass off as he went all like princess bride priest. It was hilarious. Oh, all right, one of guys. The best times of my life. I'm just gonna admit it. I have to pee. Go pee. <laughs> so, this has been old timey crimey, the Bell Witch. Happy Halloween, guys! Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun, and we're gonna go back to super murders real soon here, and we're we're it'll be fine. Not just regular murders. <laughs> super murders. murders. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, give us five-star reviews somewhere. We'd really appreciate it. We'll love you for it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. For the love of God, Christy, go to the bathroom before we all float there with you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My eyes are turning yellow. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. My sources are... American Hauntings, The True Stories Behind Hollywood's Scariest Movies, From the Exorcist to the Conjuring by Robert Bartholomew and Joe Nickel. The Bell Witch Haunting by Pat Fitzhugh on the Bell Witch website. Wikipedia, of course. Brian Dunning, Demystifying the Bell Witch on Skeptoid. Nicole Young, uh, an article on USA Today. Miscellanea, uh, an article on Mental Floss. And Richard Williams Bell. Our Family Trouble, the story of the Bell Witch of Tennessee. Taking it right to the source. My sources are Wikipedia, The Southern Weekend, Genealogy.com, BellWitch.org, USA Today, and Skeptoid.com. Back then you had, you know, the church... It was it was a thing where the church would you know you you face ostracization you face ostracization ostriches sorry uh, you face ostriches god damn sorry I had to I couldn't help myself. that's okay you face prejudice from the church okay we're gonna do this again.